We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday new on curiosity stream i'm james burke i'm going to take you on a journey through time james burke's visionary series returns reimagined for our time now this is all uncharted territory the washington post hails burke as one of the most intriguing minds in the western world the new york times raves he careens from one great moment in history to another where do we want to go from here experience all new connections so what's the next connection with monthly annual and bundled plans find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com all right one final time it's major season here at stochastic pga dfs strategy show presented by prize picks is upon us on this Tuesday afternoon, Open Championship Edition, the final major of the season. I am Ben Reza. I am joined, of course, by Eric Lindquist, as I always am on this Tuesday. Best tournament of the year. Let's just go. I'm ready to go. I want this tournament started. A uh, couple more days. We're going to got a lot, lot to get to. But how are you feeling before the 150th Open Championship? I mean, pretty cool stuff. Uh, I mean, getting an opportunity to see Tiger play in the 150. You know, we're a year removed from not knowing if he was going to play golf again. Uh, I feel like we've had that conversation about Tiger multiple times over the course of the last decade, 15 years, if you will. Uh, This might be his best shot out of any major going forward. It's a venue that he loves. It's flat. It's an opportunity for him to go out and, and possibly just do something ridiculous. Now, you know, him winning is probably very improbable at this point in time, but just the allure of this tournament at this venue. I don't know if there's a major outside of the Masters every year that I've been as excited as I am for this one. I agree. Obviously, you can't ask for much more in terms of storylines, in terms of just everything. Uh, perfect venue with the perfect field. Tiger is just a cherry on top. Didn't think we would see him, uh, but we do. And we get to see him for a little while longer. Don't think he's really relevant, but that's that's not important. Just seeing him out there and maybe he gives us a story. He's done it before. He'll probably do it again. Let's talk a little about the Scottish Open. Then we're going to get to prize picks and, and then dive in. Last week was a mixed bag. I was actually pretty happy with my card. Xander wins. That's never a good thing mm-hmm. for me. But we saw, first of all, <laughs> I think just a, a preview of what could happen. There was a massive split. The AMPM caught a huge break. We saw things like that. We saw, obviously, a mixed bag of scores. I don't have a ton of takeaways. My man, Max Kiefer, should have topped 20. He didn't. That hurt monetarily. But other than that, no complaints from me. Ju Young Kim. Yeah, he could how play. About, how about that kid? I mean, we're talking not 21. I mean, you can go get a, a drink or go get a Guinness at the pub here over in Scotland. But when he comes back across to the States, kid's not even legal drinking age. He is a player. He can hit a golf ball around a golf course. Very impressed watching him. Sunday, not even his best stuff, but still, uh, this is a kid to be watching. Uh, it, it's always fun when you have guys, uh, Chris Goddard, we won't talk about him at the Barbasol, but when you see kids like Goddard up, when you see this young, young Kim kid come in and, and have some serious stuff, it just gets me excited because you get a new, bre- a new batch, a new crop of kids that come in and have the ability to play at this level immediately. He seems like yet another one. 
He does. So I'm sure Liv is very excited when they when they woo him <laughs> over, maybe. But uh, yeah, listen, he can obviously play. He's going to be a, a hot topic uh, this week. We're going to talk about what to do with him and more. But let's get to some good stuff here. Our friends at Pies Picks sponsoring the show. If you have not been over to Prize Picks, it is a different format, a great format, a fun format, daily prop-based contest. You're going to be going over under different categories. You can get up to 10 extra entry free. We've got a promo code, promo code Awesomeo. We go old school. We're stochastic, but we still stick with Awesomeo for $100 first match deposit bonus, prizepicks.com. If so many different offerings, and I'll be honest, more power to them. I don't really get some of these lines. They're incredibly soft. Who will have more birdies or better on the Thursday round? Rory or Brooks is one of your options. Rom or HV3 is one of your options. I mean, Xander or Taylor Gooch. To me, some of these are very, very, I'm not going to say lock picks, but I think there's an edge over there. Yeah, I mean, there's... There's some real fun ones. That was you, you stole the one that I wanted to go to right out of the gate. Uh, yeah, Rory versus Kepka. Come on, yeah. let's Come on. let's not even kid ourselves right now. Uh, how about Ian Poulter or JT Pos? No, we're gonna stay away from that. Darren Clark or David Duval? That's, That's incredible. That is that. honestly, there's going to be some massive edges to be had over here. Uh, as you should know by now, weather matters a lot when you're playing across the pond. You get on the wrong side of a draw, it's problematic. We'll see, because I think that's going to be the main thing I pay attention to in terms of these birdies are better. If you get one guy teeing it up in 15 mile an hour wind, and it doesn't look as extreme as what we've had in open championships of past. But if you get a morning and an afternoon type split, you're automatically going to be giving them a leg up. So just something to be paying attention to as you're putting together your cards this week over there. Absolutely. And again, we're going to have content. I'll have a video dropping as well. It's why you want to like and subscribe to this very channel. Uh, be part of the community. We have so much content and a lot of it is centered around price fix. So again, get over there, sign on up, just a really easy way uh, to build that bankroll and, and have a different type of format upon us. Now it's St. Andrews. It's the birthplace of golf. I was actually reading about how golf got started. Pretty, pretty wild stuff. Anyway. Uh, but would you like to tell the people? Cause I think no. it's a pretty cool story. I think it's no. interesting. Well, that's a, that's a different show. We're going to have a, a whole, oh. we'll probably start a new channel with just historic, Jason Rosen will be tomorrow. Guys, there were goats out in the yeah, fields. I won't be on that show. So he, he oh, the floor okay. will be Roslyn. Uh, he, he can tell that story. But I, what I will say, obviously, this course has been played for many, many years. And I do think the reality of the situation is if they don't get wind, it's going to be torn apart. There's going to be a lot of birdies. And right now, this can change on the 10 minutes. You know, it could be completely different. It looks pretty calm. I don't see anything crazy, particularly Thursday and Friday. 14 par fours. You can be aggressive. When you look at St. Andrews, how do you plan for something that has so many different types of results based on the weather? Creativity, iron play, avoidance, uh, you know, just getting the ball in play and avoiding pot bunkers. This is just such a cool venue for a lot of reasons. And people have gone over there and played and come back and told me stories. It's basically like, all right, it's not that hard. Like this golf course is not difficult in the way that other golf courses might be difficult. If you avoid the massive big numbers, hitting it into certain pot bunkers, not making a seven on 17, there are so many birdies that can be had here. You only have two par threes, but yet iron play still gets a massive bump because of just how many par fours you're playing. You're playing freaking 14 of them. So it is a gigantic type of a, a, an edge to anybody who has the creativity the iron play. I mean, everything I'm describing just sounds to me like Tiger Woods. Just can we just play all the Tiger Woods this week or now? I mean, you can do that. I'm okay, I'm won't. not going to do that. Yeah. 
uh, for obvious reasons. But it, listen, it's I, I think more than ever with the Open Championship, you have you have to plan for different scenarios with your lineups. You just have to plan for twenty five under, and you have to plan for five under in the same tournament because we just do not know. The other thing I want to point out. And this is something that's a little different. So the open championship, every single golfer tees off at one. And what that does is it creates, there is no wave really. It's just people start teeing off and they tee off every 15 minutes, basically forever. So you're going to be able to kind of micro stack. Is that something that you look at in this tournament? Because we don't have an AM PM and a PM AM per se. You just kind of go off in the afternoon and then you go off in the morning, but there's just tee times basically throughout the day. Yeah, I this is the most important tournament you can possibly do it in. And here's the thing is that there's always going to be some type of a weather draw. And I, I'm just saying this flat out. It is the way that it is. It might be very benign compared to other opens, but you, regardless of what you think the weather is going to do, you stack for certain for certain periods of time in the middle of it. So, you know, if you can get tea time groupings that are pretty close to each other within an hour, two hours, which, you know, is a lot easier to do if everybody's teeing off in the middle of the day. Like if you're one of the middle tea times, because you come back around the next time and you're basically going to be in the middle again, you have an opportunity to basically say, all right, this pocket of, of weather could be the best. And guys, on a golf course like this could shoot 15 under 16 under for two days uh, right out of the gate and just separate themselves. We've seen Louie do this in a good weather draw back in 20 and 2010. We've seen uh, guys like uh, Mark Leishman and Jordan Spieth in the wave in 2015. I mean, we're talking St. Andrews right there off the water, very pronounced type weather draws that you're going to run into from time to time. And it's, it's kind of a luck thing, but it's also just like, just expect that something is going to happen where, yeah, there's going to be other guys that you can add into your lineups from other spots of the draw. We've seen times when, when that's worked out, but like at, for the most part, you can just basically say, all right, I'm going to have these stacks. I'm going to have these type of player groupings for skill sets and something will probably break your way. Yeah. It's just a little different. Cause you don't have as, as many guys on the course at the same time. So, like, right. so just for example, the first group, 6 35 AM, they tee off. The last group tees off at 4.16 p.m. So you're talking about like those guys will be so far off the course and done before, you know, dozens of players even get out there. And it's just a little different in that regard. So you definitely want to look at where you're going and kind of who's grouped together for potential stacks. But you don't have anyone on the 10th tee that can correlate to your guys on the first tee. So I just want to throw that out there. And, and that was the other thing, too. Stewie Stewart, uh, we've seen Scott there in the chat, always hanging out. Congratulations, by the way, my friend, on yeah, the, running, uh, hot. Like running hot, the, uh, the, 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 the $20 into 2K on the winner take all. That's always a fun one to take a W down. Never done that myself, but well done, Stewie. Uh, he says, weather is not easy to predict, predict, ask any weatherman. I'm not saying to predict the weather. I'm saying to know that something is probably going to break in some direction. And so having those stacks and yeah, you can be informed. There's times when we think that we've stacked up the correct side of it. And then you stacked up the wrong side of it. That's happened multiple times in tournaments, even this season in the States. And so over here, it's just something that I do by default. If you're making a bunch of lineups, I'm going to make a bunch of lineups. You should have different groupings and different stacks because one day might be better than the other day. You just don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two different things. There's predicting accurately will where the tee time advantage will be and then predicting will there be a tee time advantage? I think the second question, the answer is yes. 
predicting where it is. I have no idea. That's why I'll plan for different things and hope to get lucky with one or two of my tea time stacks. I think that's the big difference. I would be pretty shocked if there's no advantage. Uh, now, is it going to be massive? Who knows? That's something, again, that we, we're going to decipher between now and Thursday morning. But let's get into the guys. We've got Rory as the odds-on favorite here, sitting around 10 to 1, uh, as he should be. He's playing just really, really consistent golf. He leads off the pricing at 11,100. Scheffler, Rom, JT, Morikawa, and Spieth, six names north of 10. Obviously, you're going to be able to double up if you want to. But when you look at the top of the board, where were you drawn? John Rom. I'm really gravitated to John Rom. And Rory McIlroy is no question if you're like, if you're going to be playing cash or if you're going to be looking up for like the best available and you don't care about ownership. There you go. Rory McIlroy's the guy. He's number one in DK scoring amongst this field in the last 50 rounds, 100 rounds. He's playing phenomenal golf. There's nothing I can possibly say that would lead you to a conclusion that I don't like Rory McIlroy. But John Rahm is sub 10% here. And John Rahm, coming off of the Scottish Open, you know, he basically had like the, the, the blow up where he started swearing at the ball, not drawing, and kind of went off the rails here. I just still believe that John Rahm on a golf course like this, he has the ability to, regardless if it's playing hard or easy, I mean, he could go crazy low in this spot. He's somebody that I think just, he he's well-suited to regardless of how this tournament plays out. Uh, I like seeing the morning tea time for him, um, or an afternoon tea time, sorry, and then coming back early, early in the morning for round two. I'm slightly looking that direction as it stands right now, and that's going to be opposite of Rory, and so... If a lot of the ownership is going to be going that direction, I might be just starting a lot of teams with John Rahm. I think he driver really isn't that much of a weapon. It's always a weapon on any golf course, but like here, I'm really looking at a well-rounded golf game. Rory McIlroy also on slower greens. There's a lot of things that are just kind of leading me towards taking the ownership discount and landing on Rahm. Yeah, I mean, listen, obviously, I think Rory is poised to play fantastic. If I land on Rory, that's great. Uh, I'll be with a lot of other people and I'll have to figure it out. But John Rahm, first of all, he's, he's hovering around 20 to one in the outright market. To me, that's worth uh, a position there. He's not playing good golf. I think that this is a decent buy low spot. You can start with him. You can be a little different. The form hasn't been awful. It obviously hasn't been great, but I, I think maybe people are overreacting a little bit to the lack of contention in some of these majors. I think he can turn it on quickly, but we've talked about those two. In between them, is it's amazing how quickly, you know, Xander's now on fire. It's old news that Scotty Scheffler is the best player in the world. Uh, obviously, just a ridiculous pace. He was first at the Masters. Misses the cut of the PGA, rebounds with a runner-up finish at the U.S. Open. Do you look to him and say, you know what, he's actually being undervalued? We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday it probably is but i for me i just look at the long term and and yeah i mean even short term form for rory obviously they they are both playing fantastic over the course of the last six months for me it's just like 
I, I'm probably going to be shorting Rory by default because I think he ends up getting steamed up. I'm going to be sh- shorting Xander by default, even though he's playing outrageous golf on it seems every type of golf course. So I have to find some certain stands, even like I don't want to play just 15 or 20 percent Scotty and I don't want to play 15, 20 percent Rom. I guess you could. It's not that difficult to find some value here, but I definitely like getting to Rom the most. I think I'm going to make a pretty aggressive stand in his favor here. And then, you know, you talk about Scotty Scheffler, of course. The guy's won, what, four times now this season? Second at the U.S. Open, winner at the Masters. Can he play major championship golf? Absolutely. But this isn't your typical major championship type venue. Probably not going to be there in a, all that meaningful of a way. Yeah, I'm in line with you. Like I said, you can't, obviously, you're not going to be able to get leverage on all six of these guys. So you're going to have to leave a couple of them out uh, if you want to take a position. For me, I think JT and Morikawa will probably get squeezed. It's not that I have any uh, alarming situations with them. I just prefer the guys right above and below them. So I, I want to get to Rory. I want to get to Rom. I'm fine with Spieth, Scheffler. I'm indifferent to. Do you have anything to say about JT, Morikawa, and Spieth before we move to the nines? Yeah, the JT thing is pretty interesting to me because I feel like every major we've had him around 20%. And, you know, he just got done hanging out with the GOAT for the last couple of days. I can't imagine getting in and being able to pick his brain the way that JT is able to is a bad thing going around St. Andrews. So he had one bad result. If you just block out the Genesh- the, the Scottish Open, which everybody's probably, I mean, here's the thing. Let's say JT finished fifth last week. Where do you think his ownership lands this week at 10-5? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it would be it, it would just be interesting at what opportunity cost because Rory would still carry his and Xander's gonna carry his. Right. So I think that would come more at the at the you know, Rom and Morikawa and Spieth would really get squeezed even more. That'd be my guess yeah. at least. Yeah. So for me, I, I'm obviously gonna take GT over Spieth. And Spieth, I get it. The creativity, the the way that he's able to play Lynx golf. He's built for Lynx golf. Uh, drink every time that you hear Jason Rosalind say that tomorrow. Get ready for it. But uh, <laughs> I definitely feel as though I'm going to be shorting Jordan Spieth in probably the most meaningful way out of anybody. I'll still have a little Rory. I'll still have a little bit of Xander because I'm not going to fade a 32% Xander who's playing as well as he is. I'm just going to be shorting it quite a bit. But like Jordan Spieth might be a full fade for me here. I get that he's had the really good course history. He ends up missing, you know, he had won back-to-back majors in 2015 going into this event, finished one stroke out of that three-man playoff that had Louis Leishman and uh, Zach Johnson emerging as the winner there. I get it, but I think he ends up getting a number. It just feels like he's going to be so popular, and there's guys in the high eights, guys in the low nines that I just strongly prefer over speed straight up. So if I'm just going to be removing everything that I saw last week, not not everything, because I mean, I'm going to play some Ju Young Kim, but like, I don't want to overvalue anything from the Genesis Scottish. He played very, very well. He also had two Eagles in ridiculous fashion on the back nine that even put him into contention there in that third round, took some really special stuff. He does that kind of stuff from time to time, but at 17%, I would rather take the rest of the range. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I do think, of course, we get a good data point. Uh, with the Scottish Open, but I'll say this, I don't really see the Renaissance Club in St. Andrews comparable in a lot of ways. So uh, for every data point we're getting, I think there's some misleading data with mm-hmm. how linksy that was compared to what we're going to see here, particularly if there's no wind. If there's no wind, this is you're not going to need creativity. You're just going to need Kitchen to take pie. your short irons and make your putts because people are going to be shooting in the low 60s. So uh, 
I'm Spieth, if he's going to hover around 20%, I doubt I get there. I, I may play some. I just don't see myself allocating one fourth, one third of a portfolio to him. So give me Rory, give me Rom, or give me balanced uh, is probably where I'm going. The, the thing about balance, though, so Xander is in a, a ridiculous situation. He's obviously playing the best golf of anyone in the world. He seems to like open championship golf. He's upwards of 33% owned, though. And if you want to see those ownership percentages, they're free today over on Stochastic. So you can go check them out and see what we see. And so just a preview of some of the tools that we have behind the paywall. He's 30, uh, north of 30%. I'm not saying that you just blindly fade him because of his ownership, but I am saying that you got to take a serious look in single entry and whatnot of building elsewhere, because I think that's, I don't think any golfer should ever be that high in a major. Agreed. And this is where you're looking at Matt Fitzpatrick and it's like, I see Fitzy at 22% and Xander at 32%. And I would much rather just jam Fitz over Xander in this kind of a spot. I mean, Fitzy hitting the ball further, top 10 in stroke scan off the tee here. Not that that's going to be some kind of a model that I'm looking at, but uh, there's something that's that important for this golf course. But if he ever had a distance, you knew he was elite at every other part of his golf game. And he has not had a single negative uh, strokes gain approach since August 8th at the St. Jude. We are talking about a remarkable string of form with the strokes gain approach where it's just solid. It's consistently better than average. Around the green, the guy has the creativity. The putter spikes massively. There's lots of ways that I think Matthew Fitzpatrick works out. And the other thing you have to remember, too, is like as good as the field was last week, you were missing Rory. You were you know, missing some other key guys that are now making them the move in here from live that, you know, God forbid we talk about Louie here because I actually like him, but I'm just saying that there's a lot of opportunities where Xander. Yeah. Everybody kind of fell to him. He, he played the best of everybody, but didn't really even take it all that low. This is a scoring fest. And I like Matthew Fitzpatrick straight up over Xander in a scoring fest. I mean, so do I. I just wish we were getting more for it. You know, you're you're right. almost choosing best available. Like ownership is not a, a massive difference between the two. The big pivot would be, do you like Will Z over them? Because yes. Will Z could be sub 10%. Not, not like, oh, I think you should play. It, it's just so much easier to play Will Z and know that you're getting leverage. And yes. the guy's just a major championship pedigree type dude. I don't know how to really analyze some of the uh, the slow greens. And this is like from a real golf perspective. And I was going through some of his putting data because he's putted a lot better than what I think people are probably giving him credit for because of the way he goes about putting. It's really tough to watch. We don't have any of the strokes gain data from the U.S. Open. Let me just tell you, he putted pretty darn well inside 10 feet there. Uh, going back through some of that. And then the Memorial finished, you know, positive in strokes game putting there. The PGA 4.6 strokes game putting he gained there. So like we're talking majors and big tournaments where he's gone out and putted above expectation. I'm nervous that slower greens, because obviously you get out here in the wind and it's stuff. I'm worried that guys who have this kind of a weird putting stroke run into some issue when you start getting on 11, 12 stamp where you can't just guide the ball and get it rolling. Like he has to actually make putts. Like he has to, actually accelerate the putter head. And I'm nervous uh, when, when Will Z gets out there in the wind that that might be some kind of an issue. But all of those issues go away when you're talking about him being sub 10% and the guy is just above him being north of 20. Definitely. Listen, if you told me you want to go to Will Z and you want you know to pivot with the ownership, I get it. I, don't, I think he's a dog to both of them to beat them, but it's 
negligible uh, and you're getting a nice discount. For me, I would rather go to Cam Smith, who's right below him. The problem is he's also very popular. A lot of people are going to start with a combination of Xander, Fitzy, Cam Smith, or Cantlay, two or even three of them in lineups. I don't really think that's the best way to build. In cash, I think it's fine. But in large field tournaments, I'm not sure how you're going to get different. You're going to be playing a 3v3 against thousands of other lineups. That's really difficult to navigate. I like Cam Smith more than Xander. So do I. I like Fitzy the best, then Cam Smith, and then the rest of the range. We have the exact same three. One, two, three. We're going Fitzy. We're going Cam Smith. We're going Xander. And you should have exposure in 150 to all three in in some type of capacity. But we're talking like, I'm going to have sub 10% Xander for this week. Like I find it hard to believe that I would ever in a major championship with this field, with everybody, you know, you talk about the field, it's just the best players in the world. Anytime there's a major championship. So you can just basically take that off the table. But like, I I can't play Xander regardless of how well he's played over 10% when he's going to be 30 plus percent, especially as you move up and buy in level. Oh yeah. And, and it's going to be, he could be 50% in something in like the $200 single entry. Well, that's the thing. When you move up in buying level and you move down in entries, total entries that you can have, he gets squeezed even more. Like I actually like Xander more in like a, a 150 pool than a three max, because in a three max, when you, everyone's like, well, I only have three teams. I got to play Xander. Uh, I don't really like that question from Chad. How, do, how does one attack a cash lineup this week? My friend, that is a difficult question. A lot of different ways that you can go. I think what I would do is go balanced and probably pepper the 9K range and then dip into the sevens and go balance like that. If you have a guy in the sixes that you like for cash, then maybe you can go and get Rory, who's the safest play on the board. But looking at it, I think my cash team would probably just start with Xander. It would start with Xander. It would have Homa at 7,900. It would have Ryan Fox at 7,100. Probably Rose, because I at least he's getting steamed up. I hate Justin Rose, so I'm not going to be playing him this week. He's getting so much ownership. But I think in cash, 7,400 for him makes some sense. I actually, no, I take all of that back because I would just play Jun Hong Kim at 6,500. I, yeah, I, I totally would. I'm a sicko like that. Yeah, I'm a sicko. Don't, don't do that. People are going to do that. I don't, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Again, this is why I don't play cash. So I mean, but, I'm certainly not my cash is not my forte. Uh, the tool, I will say this I strongly believe in our tools for tournament play, obviously, leverage tools and whatnot. But for cash, it's even stronger. The projections are a really good tool. You can just go, you can see, you know, top six percentage, things like that. And you can build effective cash lineups if you're trying to grind it up. So I I totally get that. Let's talk about the bottom of the nines, though, because there's massive ownership between Xander, Fitzy, Cam Smith and Cantlay. Then it really tapers off. Shane Lowry, an open winner, uh, not getting a ton of buzz, but still in the teens. So he's kind of in that group. Then it really falls off. Dustin Johnson, Hideki, and Hovland are guys who are not playing great, particularly with Hovland. Is maybe that the move saying, you know what, I'm just going to go full leverage and target these aggressive off the tee players? I can't play Victor Hovland. I, I kind of like it. No. I mean, did you watch him? No. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm still horrified to go out and practice golf because of what I witnessed. It was so bad. That's good. It was really, really brutal. I think that's a good thing. Like, why okay, not? Okay, well, have fun with it because I can't. Uh, I'll play Hideki. I, I, you can talk yeah. me into Hideki. Obviously, Shane Lowry and Cantley getting a lot of attention. I think in uh, if you're telling me which one I prefer, it's weird to say Shane Lowry at this point, but I doubt that I play him aggressively. I doubt I play 
you know, much of any Cantley at 21% right now. I get why he's 9,400. It, it seems like a, it seems like a glaring price tag deal, but I just don't really trust it at the moment. I would much rather just take some leverage, go to Hideki. I'm curious what you think about DJ this week. As you said, really good off the tee. That's always been his superpower. We saw 20, uh, 24th at the US Open at least. So that's cool. A Masters, you know, uh, what was it? That was 2022. Yeah, he got 12th earlier this year. So regardless of live status, regardless of other stuff, it seems like he's just kind of plotting along the world. Uh, you know, obviously these live golf guys, they're just going to be gearing up for these majors going forward because it's the only meaningful golf they have to play. Probably takes a little bit of the the pressure off of anything else because they're not grinding week in, week out. They could just focus on these type of weeks. But I mean, DJ would be the guy that I would maybe try to get to more of based on, on current ownership. But I mean, Hideki feels like my preference. What's yours? I think Hideki is probably the safest play of the three. So a couple things. One, I think every live golfer gets a benefit because people don't want to play them. Uh, they're all lesser owned yeah. than if they were just having the same results on the PGA Tour. I think that's a fact. So that helps DJ. For me, I'll just splice the range where Hideki to me is the safest. I think he's playing fine. He's got the most well-rounded game. If the conditions turn out to be a little harder than I'm imagining, I think Decky really benefits. Hovland to me, though, if it plays crazy easy, if there's no wind, I still think that Victor Hovland has the element to tear a course apart. He's playing like garbage, but maybe he can flip the switch. The Scottish Open, and if this plays easy, have no comparison whatsoever. This is more like Trinity Forest. John, honestly, the John Deere is yep. what I would look to. Like, I don't think this is going to be much of a challenge. So, if you're looking for a flyer, I guess where I'd go, I guess where does that leave DJ for me? I guess nowhere. I, I don't really have anything okay. to say on him. I'm, I'm somewhat indifferent. I think realistically, knowing my opportunity cost in the range, it would probably be Decky Hovland as a, a large tournament play and then DJ. Yeah, I just never think, other than these ridiculous hot streaks we've seen from DJ, you never really think of him as a, a great putter. That's problematic, even though he's 24th in strokes game putting over the course of his last 50. So not archaic, but never really all that good around the green. He's okay with the irons, but yeah, off the tee, even that hasn't been as superb as what you would hope for in the last year. And that's kind of by, been why we haven't played him ever. But now you're talking about a spot where 9,200 DJ is a lot different than the 10K DJ, where it was really hard to touch him. 8K range, Sam Burns leads us off. Louis Oosthuizen, Hatton and Fleetwood, Brooks, Finau, Sanjay, Connors, Bryson, Neiman. I mean, these are big time big time names. Clearly, uh, if you go balance, you can get a handful in. I do think that Sam Burns is going to be a lot more playable if this plays easy. What do you do with him? What do you do with some? It's just a mixed bag range. We've got a lot of different types of players to discuss. I just don't call for Sam Burns. Like not even, not even, what is 8,900 doing next to his name with the amount of win equity that this guy has week in, week out? This is really disrespectful, but I absolutely love it. If we're going to be getting him sub 10%, throw everything else out the window. The guy knows how to go out and win golf tournaments, winning at the Charles Schwab, the Valspar, you know, at, at Sanderson Farms last year. I mean, we're talking this dude isn't necessarily the guy at a U.S. Open where he finished 27th, the Masters missed a cut, like more difficult golf courses. If you're talking this is going to play easy, 
We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better. At Aquavita, visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today. Oh, hi, Sam Burns. How are you? 8,900? Are you joking me? Uh, That's going to be impossible for me to get away from. Louis has the best course history of any player in the field, 8,800. So there you go. 2010, just lapped the field. 2015, you know, losing uh, losing out in that playoff. So, like, I don't know how I don't play some Louis here in this spot. Uh, It's just going to be a spot where I think those two guys specifically are going to make or break my week. I like Sam Burns. I think similar to what I said about Hovland makes sense for him. He's going to be an if play. If it seems like it's going to play really easy, mm-hmm. I think that's a really good spot. If it seems like it's going to be terrible, I have no interest in him. I, I do think that he's a couple steps away from dealing with those conditions. But in the right conditions, I mean, he's a proven winner. He's proven that he can score and attack. Uh, obviously, can be an elite putter at times. So I, I'm fine with that. I have more difficulty separating... Tommy Fleetwood looked really good last week. Ty Hatton looked better as well. Fleetwood's getting a lot of ownership. Hatton's not unowned. What do you do with them? Because I do think they're going to play a role this week. It's just very hard to say, okay, Tommy Fleetwood, you know, hovering around 20%. I want to get over that. But if you're going to be, it really has to do with what you do with the guys above him. Like if you're going to be playing Xander, if you're going to be playing Fitzy, hard for me to look at Tommy Fleetwood as a guy you want to get to. For me, it's going to be very easy to get up to around 20% Tommy Fleetwood, and I feel like I want to. I mean, we're talking a resurgence, I, I would say. That's the right word from, from Tommy Fleetwood. And the iron play has now been positive in, what, eight consecutive golf tournaments with strokes gained data. We have around the green game. That's always been one of the highlights of his golf game. And the putter has been very, very positive as well. Only one time at the AT&T Byron Nelson has he lost strokes game puttering since the Players' Championship. Those are the kind of assets that, that you really want to be invested in. He's cheaper, allows for you to kind of maneuver your lineups a little bit more than if you're playing Xander, if you're playing Fitzy, you're kind of drawn into some of the same plays in the 7K range. I think he's kind of a, I'd say he's undervalued because at 8,600, he gives you access to a lot more than those other two do. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to try to get some Fleetwood and certainly some Hat in my lineups. I don't think, you know, at first glance going like Xander Fitzy Fleetwood is the move. Uh, You're not going to be able to separate from there. So just keep that in mind when you're building. Real quick, Brooks, yay or nay? No. Yeah, no for me as well. I just don't, I don't see, there's some ranges where I'm willing to roll the dice off the chalk. This is not one of them. I like these plays. Go. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
No, you're okay. I was just going to say, because I know that he played okay here last time the Open was here in 20. 20- I don't care about that, to be honest. They, no, I'm just, no, I'm just saying that I remember he had some kind of a quote talking about something. I'm trying to find it if I can. Regardless, I don't care. His putter's broken. Uh, you can't get me to blindly play Brooks Kepka. I mean, he's got 5.3 that he gained at the PGA Championship and finished 55th because he did nothing else well. He'll find these spike weeks with the putter once in a while, the Phoenix Open, but like he's still very cheap and actually getting some attention. So I'll let other people chase him with 10% of their lineups. I would much rather. And I think this is going to be the guy that if we're, we're talking about the difference between now and tomorrow, if we think that it's going to play very easy, is Tony Finau like the highest owned player in this range? So he's going to be my highest owned player. Mine too. Uh, I bet him to win at 50 to one. I really like Finau. He's playing good golf. He likes open championship golf. I think him and Fitzy have some similarities in the sense that they were artificially knocked for not winning. And I think winning somewhat arbitrary, to be honest. Uh, Tony Finau has come into Sunday with the lead or in the hunt and has played winning golf and he's lost because someone else just played better. And I, I don't discount him for that. He also doesn't need to win here. To, to justify this price tag, 8,400. He can do a lot for your lineups. I really like the spot for Tony Finau, maybe my most important player of the week. Oh, wow. We're on the same page then. Because like for me, Tony Finau pairs so well with Sam Burns for me. Like the two are just basically going to be in all of my major lineups. Like as it stands right now, go ahead. No, I, I listen, yeah. I get it. The one difference for me, Tony Finau can really handle wind a lot better so far. Tony Finau's thrived in the wind in the past. Sam Burns, I'm not saying he can't, but he definitely prefers calmer conditions. So you're going like Shane Lowry, Tony Finau? I mean, Shane Lowry's not someone that I'm super keen to get to, but yeah, I think that's fine. More so, I think that Finau fits different builds. Like if it plays calm, I don't think that hurts him, but say it plays windier on Friday than we expect. I don't think that's a bump down to him as like Hovland or Burns right above him. Look at that. Hovland, Matsuyama, Finau, all tee off within 11 minutes of each other both days. I will be stacking that up. I can definitely see that being a thing that I do too. Maybe, maybe I don't want to take back what I said about Hovland because he sucks and he's broken. And, but I might, I might click on the name just because of the, the pairing that it gives me. Like give me just that tea time stack. I don't think him sucking has to be a deterrent. I know that sounds dumb, but if he's fitting the, the build, the ceiling is intact. If he misses the right. cut or gives you a 53rd, it's not going to really matter. You're probably going to be in trouble. Yes, min equity cash and things like that go up, but uh, or min cash equity. That's a real term, unlike min equity cash, which just is made <laughs> up. But I was like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, you, if you say it real fast. I'm a finance people, major, and I just, just really not. was going along with it. Bottom That's of great. the range, Corey Connors, Bryson, Sanjay, Neiman, I think Connors and Neiman are fine. I'll get that out there right now. I want to ask you about Bryson. I have no idea what to do with him. My gut says don't do anything crazy with him either way. Maybe a splash. It just doesn't seem like potentially the health is there still. So I, I'm not sure what to do with him. It might be a good thing. So think about it too for, for the live golf people. I, I, I think English fans tend to be more respectful Uh than we would have if it was a U.S. Open where they were basically getting heckled nonstop throughout the entire Open champ or during the U.S. Open. So maybe this is a spot where Bryson eighty-one hundred. You're really getting the the dis uh, the the you're buying at the floor basically, and that's that's always a, a thing that you can do in golf because eventually, do I expect Bryson to be better than eighty-one hundred in majors in the future? Absolutely, I do. He's a much better player 
than what he's had of late. The health's still not there. I don't think I can really do it. Um, it really has more to do with the, the approach game around the green game, which are two things that I'm factoring a little bit more this week. 95, 95th, 95th, that's also not a true word. Strokes gain approach, 95th in this, in this field over the last 50 rounds, 121st around the green. The thing about Bryson that we've always talked about is the driver is elite and the putter I've always viewed at as being more elite than people give him credit for. I don't really think that those are going to be the keys to the castle this week. Yeah. So again, uh, I've said this a lot. I think that Bryson would be better suited in the, in the Hovland type lineups where he can just go crazy and do what he does. Uh, he just gets in so much trouble. If it's difficult, he can't work out of it. He has one or two blow up holes around and you're just not going to survive like that. We've seen it time and time again. He lost nine strokes at the Memorial on the approach. That's hard to do in two rounds. So we'll see. I prefer Neiman. I prefer Connors. I prefer the 7K range, I mean, which is absolutely loaded as we work down. You mentioned Max Homme. He's playing with Tiger. Good for him. He's earned it. Just a really good player on tour. Cam Young, talk about buying at the floor. Uh, Bobby Mack, Adam Scott, Mark Leishman, Tiger. Uh, Paul Casey is here. Sergio is here. Justin Rose, who's chalk. How do you go about what could be your fourth or even fifth man in in some balance builds? I'm absolutely playing blindly Cameron Young at 2%. Like, there's... There's no chance that I'm not playing Cameron Young at 2%. Max Homa, I get it, 7,900. What do we want the course set to be for Max Homa? Like, we probably want it to be more difficult, even though, I mean, it's not like he can't go out and and be a part of a scoring fest. He's just consistently good. And the amount of times that he's going to burn you in a week like this seems pretty low considering the price, considering... You know, I, I think his made, made cut equity is just out, out of control right now compared to the rest of the range. But if we're talking ceiling, like Cameron Young has really pieced it together at times. Third RBC, second Wells Fargo, third PGA. Those are ridiculous numbers. And if you blindly remove what we've seen of late, like recent, the last three weeks, Scottish Open, whatever, 76, 77, Justin Thomas shot 73, 77. Like there's going to be problems for some guys. If you look at last week too much, 2% Cameron Young is just way too appealing for me to write off. I'm with you again, Cameron Young, another guy that if it was truly brutal open conditions, I think would be in a lot of trouble. Uh, I think that the Scottish Open uh, type conditions cause a lot of trouble, but I'm not sure we get that. So I'm... You know, we shot 13 over in Scotland. I don't really care about that. If it's that type of conditions, I won't play them. But if it's not, sign me up. Max Home, I think, is just very solid. I don't know what to do with Adam Scott. I'll be honest. I will probably uh, just continue to monitor, look at our tools, and, and see what we can do. Seven and a half percent feels about right to me. Not going to define my week, but I did want to mention him. He knows what he's doing in major championships. I think he makes the cut and is just fine. I like Leishman more. Uh, I okay. like Leishman. I've been 7, playing Have you? Okay. Yeah. Because th- think about, I, I always go back to like that run he had at the FedEx cup where he shot like 30 under in Chicago or whatever that was. The guy can go low and the combination of iron play along with a hot putter could just be a real key here. He was in that three man playoff in 2015. So decent enough course history has experience on links golf. You go back to last season, third at the Travelers, fourth Fortinet, third Shriners, scoring type fests. Uh, you know, he can play difficult spots too. This has definitely been a bad string of form here for the entire year, but Lynx Golf has a way of kind of equaling out when, you know, somebody's not necessarily got the best form. I mean, hell, Shane Lowry had missed three consecutive cuts going into his 
going into his uh, open championship win. He had missed three consecutive open championship cuts leading into that. It just doesn't matter sometimes. It's switch flips on Lynx Golf. Get the guys who are sub 5% and enjoy some massive leverage, especially because he's been there and done that before. Yeah, especially I think for guys in, in kind of that stage of their, like he knows what he's doing. He, if he finds it for a week, it's not going to be panic mode. He's he's closed tournaments before. He's been in the hunted majors before. So I'm totally in line with that. You can give, the time is now. We got a lot of people <laughs> watching the show. People, if you want to hit the like button before I ask this question, it would be much appreciated. And again, make sure you subscribe. We got a lot of things going here. If you're interested in getting in, stochastic.com slash join as well. But let me ask you this. What are you actually going to do with Tiger? I'm going to jam Tiger to make the cut at minus 130. I can tell you that. Um, there's no, Tiger two for two in made cuts at golf courses that are hilly and undulated beyond all human belief. Southern Hills, it has hills in the name. Made the cut, obviously shot a billion and then withdrew before the final round. The Masters, I was there this year. Pretty positive, as undulated as a golf course can get. Walking around there had, had just had to be brutal, especially when you saw the scarring that we had from Tiger Woods there. It's very problematic, but this is the home of golf. This is the 150th Open Championship. You think Tiger Woods is going to miss the cut in this spot? Absolutely he is not. It is as flat of a golf course as you could possibly ask for. Yes, are there hills and undulations by the green? Sounds great, but we're talking the walk is as flat as it gets for Tiger Woods. It is going to be simple to get over 5% for Tiger Woods for me. And you can throw everything you want, every data point out the window when it comes to the GOAT because this guy has a way of just grinding out numbers and finding ways to make tons of birdies his golf game just is fit for this type of a spot, a place off the tee where he doesn't have to do anything because he's not, he's never been a great driver of the golf ball compared to some of the other elite players in the world. Even at the height of his powers, that was never his thing other than when he was a bomber in like the early 2000s, late you know 90s. That was, that was more of his prototype. But like the man is an iron player. The man is a putter. The man is creative. I don't know why I wouldn't play Tiger Woods on the best opportunity he has to win a major championship, I believe, in the next 10 years. Uh, maybe that's true. I hope he plays well. I just don't see it. I think he has a very real shot to make the cup, maybe. I don't mind that bet. I'm just not sure how pertinent he's going to be to lineups, even if he makes the cut. He did make the cut of the Masters, uh, and at the you know, but what did he give you? If the placement points are not really there. Can he hold up for 72 holes? I don't know, man. Um, we have, we have really no see. sample size. That's the thing. If we had like, if he had played eight tournaments coming into this, like obviously yeah. if the form wasn't there, you'd have a better gauge of it. But like you're getting sub 5% on the best golfer of all time where this golf course is truly with 14 par fours with iron play and wedges being the emphasis. Like this is, this is the kind of stuff where Tiger goes out and wins a major like that. Those are the type of golf courses that you want to be, focused on. He's obviously won here before pretty good juju. Everything just kind of trends towards me and, and maybe, you know, shoot 78, 75, and then he's just absolutely toast and whatever else, but like <laughs> you could play 15% of the goat, 15% of the goat and be three X the field as it stands right now. Impossible. When I look at the guy and the pedigree and, and the, I mean, he's the best player of all time. There's no way that you tell me that I would rather click Paul Casey, your boy, uh, or Billy Horschel or anybody else like at more ownership, I'm just going to take Tiger Woods. That sounds 
better to me. Yeah, I would rather play Sheamus, definitely. No doubt in my mind there. I would rather play Sergio, but it's the one thing that's good about the range. There's little to no opportunity cost. I don't think that you're doing much. If you click Tiger, he's going to, you know, fulfill some of the builds where you need a mid seven guy. And I think that's okay. I'm not playing him. Uh, Sheamus, Sergio, Patrick Reed, maybe as we work down, Thomas Peters is getting ownership, which is absurd. I get it. I like him this week. But man, him at 10% was a little jarring considering it's Thomas Peters and he could blow up at a moment's notice. Oh, yeah. It's going to be pretty, pretty absurd. I mean, for me, who's who is okay? Let's let's do this 7,500 and under. Who are your favorite three to get to in the 7K range? In this 7,500 to 7K. Okay. Uh, 7,500 to 7K, it would be Seamus. It would be Sergio. I think it still would be Peters, even though that's going to be an interesting range because you've got you've got Peters, you've got Chalk, Ryan Fox, who's in a much better spot this week, but I still don't know if I want to pay that tag. And then Gary Woodland is kind of just lurking there. But I'll, I'll give you those three, Seamus, Sergio, and then whoever the third person that I said whose name escapes me live. Oh, Thomas Peters on the show. Go. Yeah. Number one, JT Poston for me. I think JT Poston has a phenomenal week here. I bet him to top 10. I bet him to top 20. I bet him outright, but just a sprinkle on that specifically. But like scoring fest, we're going to get, we're going to get JT Poston coming in off of a second and a first at five and a half percent. This is my boy. This guy has been my boy for so long because what happens is the irons flip and then everything else falls in line because he does everything else pretty darn well. He's an elite driver of the golf ball at this point in time, like off the tee two negative numbers in the last, however long the thing mainly for him is that he just kind of maneuvers the golf ball around. And now we're seeing some massive, massive iron play. And this goes back to when, you know, like the Barbasol he lost in that Seamus power playoff that went completely deep last year. Sanderson farms third in 2020. You know, he obviously had the win uh, earlier in that year at the Wyndham, uh, you know, back in 2019, we're talking 20 type under conditions. We just saw him at the John Deere go berserk low wire to wire, finish that one off coming off of the second of the travelers. I'm telling you, this guy is just a buy because he's always been a phenomenal putter. And, you know, he had ran into a bad string of it at the beginning of the fall or at the beginning of the spring this season. It was sad because I didn't feel like we could play him. And as soon as the irons flipped, as soon as we started seeing Valero third at the RBC heritage, this is the kind of golf course that's just going to suit him. So he is my very clear cut number one guy to play in this range. I would say two is probably B's just because I think okay. that there's an opportunity for him to go out and make putts and be involved in a scoring fest type deal. And I'll go with you on Peters. I think Peters at 7,200 makes a lot of sense. You know, going back to his Ryder Cup, uh, tr- uh, tremendous form that he had there. Uh, they kind of made him a-, a player that was on the map for the public. The Belgian Bombers just kind of struggled, been along the way, but it's 7,200, 27th at the U.S. Open. We're talking difficult spot uh, for there in the Arnold Palmer 32nd, whatever on those. But like, I think of him as a scorer. I think of him as a guy that could go out and just shoot it bazooka low. So Thomas Peters, probably my third guy as well. Yeah, again, I, I think this is a, another good example of what we've talked about throughout the show. JT Poston, Thigala, uh, Taylor Gooch to a lesser extent. 
I think they're more prone to contend in open championships than they were on a traditional, if it, if it's windy, I don't think that's the best setup for any of them, but if it's the Wyndham, if it's the John Deere, uh, obviously the strength of those fields where some of these guys break through are not this, but it's still the right conditions for them. So if you want to go to those guys, I get it. Mito would be in that group for me, but he's just not playing well. His irons need to flip back. That was the strength of what he was doing. And they're just not there right now. I, I'm not going to ultimately get to him. I'd rather play Aaron Wise, who's at flat seven. Uh, I, I, there are names here, but I think you need to separate them into, okay, only easy conditions, any conditions, only hard conditions, and kind of build like that. Yeah, I agree. I, I will say I'm running pretty hot in my full fade department. Uh, we had the Denny McCarthy full fade that worked out so, so you well to week, that, right? that the travelers could not believe how well that worked out. Couldn't believe how well the Ryan Fox full fade worked out last week. And we're going back to the well 7,100. Now I get why he's popular amongst this range. He's played really well. DP world tour. You know, it, it seems like it lines up for him to have it be a decent spot, but my God, I'm not playing anybody's 24% who's named Ryan Fox at 7,100. I just refuse. I would rather play Woodland. I would rather play Fiegel. I would rather play Victor Perez coming off of a really bad week for me at 6,900. Now he's 7,100, but he's going to be completely unknown. I'd rather play Aaron Wise. I would rather play Cameron Tringali, for God's sake. I would rather play anybody else in this range than Ryan Fox at current ownership. If that thing comes down, it would have to be like below 10% for me to actually get on board. So uh, Ryan Fox, back-to-back weeks, completely irrelevant. Agree. Uh, again, I get why he's popular, but he's not. He's just simply not in that much of a better situation than everyone around him. And you're getting one tenth the ownership on most of the pivots. It's not, oh, Xander's 33% and this guy's 24%. This guy's 24% and Sebastian Munoz is 1%. Varner is 2%. That's ridiculous. I don't even like those guys, but I'd still make the pivot more often than not. So that is where I'm at. As we dip into the six, and before I do, I want to shift gears completely because we got a million things going on on these channels at Stochastic. And one of them, Matt Savoke and the team, is best ball. And our best ball draft kit is now live for the 2022 season. I know people aren't thinking about football, but you really need to be as it's creeping up. And for only $69.99 this season, you can get access to our best ball unlimited package, which is all the rankings all the underdoor rankings and our stacking guide, the cheat sheets, the premium articles, Alex and the team do a fantastic job. Get over there and get all of that hundred percent free. When you sign up and make your first deposit with underdog fantasy, underdog is going to match that deposit bonus of up to hundred dollars link in the description of this video to acclaim the offer, a really good opportunity, good, good stuff on the best ball side of things. We have a great team over there. I know you do a little work with them. I do not. I bet sports. I'm on odd chopper. You can go find me there. <laughs> But we got good people handling all your underdog needs. How often are you going to go into the sixes? So I want to ask that before we even talk about the players. Well, I mean, if we're going to get some kind of uh, gauge on what we're going to get from like Nikolai Hogard, he's not going to be 0.1%, right? Because if he's 0.1%, I mean, play 10% and be 100x the field. I don't know. I don't know what to do with him because I, I was just so set on Rasmus uh, being my man. I don't know much about this guy. I, I would rather play Lucas A. Bear. That's yeah. my guy in the sixes. Okay, that's fine. Uh, well, I was just kind of being a little facetious. Uh, Hotang, no, uh, Hotong Lee, again, he was another full fade last week for me because he was going to be popular coming off of his first win in forever. I was just happy to see him back on the board. He's popular up here, unfortunately, at 10%. We'll see if that maintains. 
I prefer him over Keith Mitchell, though, at 10%. I will say that even though Keith Mitchell fits the mold of, all right, we're going to have a scoring fest. And here you go. Sixth at the Traveler, seventh at the RBC. Welcome to the party. So decent enough form there. Shot 66 on Sunday to kind of really backdoor a top 40, I would say. Uh, that's probably the right way of putting it. But let's just drop. I mean, 6,500. You get to Jing, uh, you get to Kim. I mean, Ju Hyung Kim. There we go. Couldn't say it again there. Sub, uh, sub 15%. You talk about this all the time. I talk about this all the time. If you believe in a talent, and I don't really know enough about him the way that I knew enough about Goderup to just validate Goderup. But I was really impressed by everything that we saw as good of a field as you could ask for. And we're talking some really massive tickets that were out there in the DFS streets, uh, in the sports betting streets from guys that were cashing top 10s, top 20s, top 40s, Jason Roslin being one of them on, on Kim here. The kid might be very, very elite and better than everybody sub 7K. I don't know if I want to find out if 15%, um, if that's going to kind of be where it is, but like, you have to at least have a strong consideration going his direction. I'll kind of make up my mind tomorrow what I want to do with him. I'll see if his tee time kind of fits well with some other guys that I'm going to land on. I don't think so. I mean, he's got the super early round one time. Uh, what's that's 11.41 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. So, yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be an early morning for him there. So we'll see if there's other guys that kind of mix in with him. But, like, that is, that's a tremendous amount of talent to get in your lineups at 6,500 if he's actually that good. No doubt about it. I think more often, I think long-term when you're taking someone at 15% of 6,500, it's probably not a good move. Probably, uh, yeah. I, I really, just more often than not, this is not going to end well. I'm not staunchly opposed to it. Normally I would rip this play because I don't know either. Maybe he is this good. I doubt that I get over 15%. That seems highly unlikely. I played him a little last week. I missed out on betting him. That was a mistake on my part. Some really sharp people were on him and I get it. I just think that you got paid off last week and now you're maybe trying to chase a little bit. If you go there, you have pivots, other guys that are going to be 0.1%. Zenodi is one of them. Mm-hmm. I think if you're looking for a complete YOLO play, he made the cut last week. He's making cuts on the European tour. He's playing good golf. I'm okay with it, but I would caution people. I, doubt, I seriously doubt that this kid is so good that he's just going to be a top five machine in all these fields right off the bat. I'm not saying that, but no, he doesn't need to do that. You're right. You're right. He doesn't need to. That's the point. He finished 23rd at the U S open. Yeah. Was close to the optimal. He he's been answering the call with every opportunity so far. There's no denying that, but what, what was he last week in terms of ownership? 1%. It was a little bit higher than that. I think because there were, there were actually people that I think got on him late. I had a little bit, I didn't have enough, um, but I didn't know though. The public uh, pub- now knows public didn't bit. public public knows now. And that's, that's kind of the issue. If I had thought about it correctly, I would have jammed <laughs> like just been like, all right, maybe he's good and played 20 something percent. I think I had like six or 7% of him last week or something in 150. didn't really get paid off for it. Everybody else was trash. He's he looking at you. Can't leave, but, useful, but he, he was in your single entry. Yeah. I like oh, to use those guys in single entries because, but I mean, it didn't do much. It was a six, six with him and he was the catalyst. So I get it. I just, don't think it's the same situation this week. The other part of it, I'm not sure how often I'll need someone that low. If I round True. out, I would be much more comfortable in the Poston range than, than going to Tom Kim if I can avoid it. So I get it. Don't just cross him out. I think he's a worthwhile play. 
I would just pump the brakes. I don't think he's just like, oh, he's a plug and play at 6,500. I think that's ridiculous at the Open Championship. All right, you ready for the last YOLO play? And I mean, he won last week, so I don't really think it should be that big of a surprise. But uh, I, I kind right? of was in jest in the chat going back and forth because somebody kind of brought up the name and it made me upset. But like Trey Mullinex is a guy you and I cheer for. We like this dude. One at the Barbasol out of the middle of absolutely nowhere. But you know how he did it? Not with his unbelievable off the tee game, but he gained 8.7 strokes gained approach. Do I think he does that again here? Absolutely not. But there's no doubt if I'm going to play a guy in the 6K range, they better have the pedigree to be able to go out and score. Like they better at least have the skill set to be able to go out and score. Trey Molinex sub 2% coming off of a win that is now locked up his card for two years. We're going to be talking about this guy a lot going forward. He was going to be struggling for status this season. He had a decent enough finish, the Mexico championship by Nelson, whatever else. But this win came from the clouds. And sometimes that frees up a guy. Sometimes that gives them the opportunity to be like, hey, I'm not playing for my livelihood. He shouldn't even be here this week. He gets the W, ends up getting shipped over here. Why not Trey Mullinex for a couple shares at 6,200? I mean, again, there are guys, Brandon Wu is down there as well, Trey Mullinex. my boy. I'm, I'm going to try to avoid this if I can. If I'm in a jam, that's probably where I would go. Okay. Uh, I think they're one of the few people that could, in theory, make the cut from down here. Again, some of this has to mature in terms of the weather, in terms of the tee times. And that is why you want to watch Live Before Lock tomorrow night, 8 o'clock Eastern. It's a three-man show. Jason Roslin, Awesomeo himself, Alex Baker, and a special guest for you guys. One of the sharpest minds in the DFS street. No, not me. I'm not on the show. Um, so you will have a great three-man booth. And no, you imagine if I was the special guest, that would be grounds for dismissal. In- it's me, Heidi Hope. Yeah, I'm just actually yeah. touting it's myself. No, no, uh, I'll be in Saratoga betting on the horses. But you have a great group there. You want to keep an eye on that weather. But for me for Eric, for Tyler behind the glass. Any final thoughts on the Open Championship before we bounce on out of here? No matter what, blindly stack some tee times here and there in some lineups. Do it. Just do it and don't think about it. Um, Skill sets, you say that all the time. It is an absolute edge to be had in in a week like this. And third of all, just really enjoy it. This is going to be a really special, special golf tournament. Nothing better than on the West Coast, being able to go to bed watching some golf. Well said. I can't wait for it again. If you have any questions at Eric Lindquist at Jazz DFS, we've got a lot to get to. And again, for everyone here at Stochastic, thanks for hopping in. Hit the like button on your way out. Good luck. Enjoy the open 150th edition. We'll talk to you guys soon. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more.